Okay, so I had a whole bunch of ideas for this week. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't till like Thursday night or Friday night. I think it was Friday night. I realized it was Halloween today. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, man, it's too late to do anything on Halloween. So, and then same night, it was like Reformation Sunday. I'm like, this is perfect. I could do, uh, it's too late. So I had an idea that I'd been working on for a while, and it was a couple weeks ago on a Friday night. And I feel like every Sunday that I preach, I, I like try and sell Friday night. And I sort of do. I sort of do, you know, so um, I'm not really feeling bad about that because Friday nights are great. Wednesday nights are great. Like the, the, that like real interpersonal interaction, that, that like tight knit group of people building each other up, you know, sharpening one another. It's so good. If you can be out midweek sometime, Wednesday night, Friday night, man, it's so good. So Friday night is counterculture. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, the other Jamie. Um, and uh, so, so two Fridays ago, we were in this, um, this series again. Uh, I think it was, it was over two years ago we did this. I think it was our first series that we did on Friday night um, at Counterculture was The Truth Project. Uh, it's so good. And I get an amen from people who are there. It's good. It's so good. It's so rich. And there's so much to, to learn in it. And so uh, we're, we were... Um, on the subject of anthropology, who is man? And so as we're going through it, there's a little study guide that we have. And, you know, it, it, the question of who we are and what makes us valuable, like kind of stood out to me in that. You know, it really stood out. And I remember going through it and, and really asking everybody to give me their opinion of what the image of God is. Wh who are we? You know, and why are we valuable? And it's because we were created in the image of God. We have this, this seed of God's creation in us. You know, so, and when, if we look through, you know, when that first was, was said, it was right in the beginning. In Genesis, right in the beginning when man was created. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So when, when man was created, he was created in that, that perfect representation, I think, this is, well, let's look at the words here. So we have two distinct words in that passage, right? We have created in the image and in the likeness. And those two words have different meanings. And they can be, they can be um, synonyms, you know, in, in other places. But in this, it's, it, it's said in two different ways. And so the image, uh, the definition for image is a, a phantom, an illusion, almost like a shadow, a resemblance, a representative figure. If we look at likeness, it means fashion, likeness, manner, similitude. It can mean resemblance as well. Model, shape, you know. Um, so there's, a, there's this, this, like, how do we define that? You know, what does that mean for us? 
You know, so and I came up kind of with this to try and bring those two together so that it makes sense to me, and hopefully it's useful. You know, that when Adam was created, he was a representative figure resembling his creator. Like he stood on this earth that God created, representing the creator. No other animal was, done, was, was made that way. We are set apart. We are special. That's so important for us to get a hold of. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I have a lot of information which I won't have time to get into. I, I pre actually prepared more than enough, I think, this week. I say that every week, but I think this week I really did. I have actually nine pages of stuff, which usually I have seven. Uh, but but there, is, there are two worldviews that I think are in complete opposition to one another. One is that we are created in the image of God and we're valuable, innately valuable, because of that. Because we, man is special in God's eyes. And the other worldview is man is just another animal. We're just another animal that kind of grew up from, from a genetic mutations out of random chance. That is the dominant worldview that we face. And I bring this up a lot, and I, I don't know who I bring it up to, so I feel like I say this all the time, you know, so I don't mean to be repeating myself, but I think it's so important. This is such an important thing for us to grasp. The world is preaching that we have no value. We have no value. The, the, the consequences of that are so bad. And we see it all through history. And I'm going to refer back a little bit to some of my other notes. Hopefully I'll get through everything. Uh, page one. Um, back in 1859, Darwin published, Charles Darwin published on the origin of species. And these are a couple things that he said. These aren't statements from his book, but these are statements that he said in relation to his book. Um, these were things that he was thinking. In 1838, in a notebook entry, he said that man is, in his arrogance, thinks himself a great work, worthy of interposition or this, this connection to deity, more humble and, I believe, true to consider himself created from animals. That was the idea that he had. And he called, they called it science. Darwin also said in his autobiography, stating that man can have for can have for his rule of life, as far as I can see, only to follow those impulses and instincts which are the strongest or which seem to be to him the best ones. So we're just instinct creatures in this worldview. We just respond to whatever, whatever instinct or stimuli that we see. We don't really make decisions. We don't choose to do right or choose to do wrong. We're just animals. We have no more value than any other animal. And you see that throughout history. And it shows up in eugenics. It shows up in euthanasia. It shows up in abortion. It's all the same thing. It stems from that truth claim, that lie, that we have no value any more than any other animal. Animal rights activism, it stems all from that same thing. It's just, it's so, to use the word from Friday night, it's pernicious. It's, it's evil 
but in this like subtle, subtle way, kind of like deceptive way. It just kind of works itself out through our society in this pernicious way. This, these are the things that are being taught. These are the things that are being taught to in, in every area of life, really. You know, because we see this through from, from kindergarten, from preschool, all the way through college. We have people who are teaching the professors in these really like big name schools. These aren't just the professors, these are the, these are the spokesmen and the teachers of the professors who are preaching this stuff. I'll give you a couple examples. I can find it. A couple examples. So, Australian bioethicist Peter Singer. He's a chair in the bioethics department at Princeton University. And this is what he has to say. He promotes the legitimacy of infanticide for handicapped babies and voluntary euthanasia. Infanticide, killing children. Euthanasia, killing older people who in their eyes, just don't have any purpose anymore. They've run their course. They're not worth anything anymore. This is what's being taught. Singer claims that Darwin undermined the foundations of the entire Western way of thinking on the place of our species in the universe. Darwin's idea wasn't new. This stuff was going on. This, this dehumanization was going on for a long time. But in the West, really worldwide, Darwin is the one that gave license to all of these atrocities. And there are atrocities. If you go through all of the eugenic stuff, um, right out of 1870, 20 years after the, on the origin of the species, you have these German ethicists and German scientists talking about using Darwin to justify their euthanasia programs and their mistreatment of people and the Holocaust. You have in, in Africa, in Rwanda, you have the, the Hutus and the Tutsis. It was the same thing. They used dehumanizing language. They're not people, they're animals, they're cockroaches. You know, they're rats, they're subhuman. Where do we get that from? We don't get that from, our, our, from the Scripture. We are special people. We as a church need to be able to see what's out there and be able to stand on the truth. So let's talk about why we're special, right? Why are we special? Because we're created in the image of God. So we'll jump right into that a little bit more. So we talked about what the image is, right? A little bit. I don't, as a definition. And it was good. I had an opportunity to sit down with, with Pastor Steve yesterday. And, uh, and I al I'm always happy to just talk about the stuff that I'm going to prepare, you know, or what I'm working on. Because as you're doing this, if anybody's, I don't know, has anybody prepared a message to present to anybody? Like, you, you want it to be, you want it to be kind of streamlined and focused. And you want it to make the point, And you want it to be practical and useful. Especially when you're preaching the Word, you know? Like, this is what you want. You want people to be able to go home and be like, hey, I got something good out of church today. You know, it's not just knowledge. You know, knowledge doesn't, doesn't really benefit us. We go home and it's like, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, I learned some cool stuff. But does it really change who I am? Is it, does it give me something to use? And uh, so 
when you're doing this stuff, like, like you can get caught up on, the, on a thought and be like spending all kinds of time like trying to make this, th oh, what is this? You know? And that's what I ended up doing with this image because you know, I was like, what is the image? Like, what would it be? You know, like, well, it couldn't be this. It couldn't be that. It, you know, and it's like, that's way too philosophical. And Steve, you know, he helped me walk off that, that you know, off the ledge there with it going too far. But, uh, but it was, uh, but it, it just, and that's, that's really what I want to bring it back to. So whatever the image is, when Adam was created, he was a perfect representation of God. He was there. Like this. He reflected God perfectly, right? It was like this. When you look in the mirror, bring this home. No, don't bring this mirror home. But you have mirrors at home. Well, some of you, I'm... No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but w next time you look in the mirror, think about that. You know? But what happened, right? What happened in the garden? So God gave them in Genesis 1.28. He said, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But then in Genesis 3, we see the big thing that affects all of us. Adam decided to disobey God. And when he did that, he brought a curse on everything. And he was cast out of the garden. So what, however he was created to be a perfect image, he wasn't that anymore. But he was still created in the image of God. When sin entered the world, that's what we got. We're all... Uh, now, this is a, a cool verse too. I, I love this in Genesis 5. Because it changes the, the kind of pattern, I think. Now, I'm not positive about it, but it seems to change the pattern. Because man is created in God's image. Adam has a son that is in Adam's image and his likeness. So what do we have? We now represent humanity. And not this perfect representation of God. That's where we're at now. So if we look at... Uh, uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 19. It's a lot of reading. So I'll try and read quick. Okay, Genesis 1, uh, 3, 1 through 19. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say? And I bring that up all the time, right? Like that is the same lie. Remember this. It's the same lie. Did God really say that? That's why it's so important for us to know God's Word. It's so important. Because He's so crafty. He can twist it just a little bit. Did God really say that? Nah. You know, it's like, and if we don't know it, we're gonna get, we can get drawn off of the path and become unfruitful for God. And uh, so, He said, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Which, God didn't say, don't touch it. Which is an interesting little spin on the truth there. Um, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one, desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. I always found that interesting. Like, so Adam passed on the, the, this command from God to Eve. You know, just God told Adam. Adam told Eve. And then I always thought, like, you know, Eve kind of got deceived, and then she brought it home to Adam and was like, hey, try this out. And Adam's like, yeah, all right, you know. Adam was right there. Like, you didn't you know what was going on. That's crazy. Um, so, then the eyes of both, of, uh, both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid, himself, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, uh, gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. I like that passing the buck right away, you know? It's like sin entered and now all of a sudden it's everybody else's fault. No personal responsibility here. <clears throat> then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Again, pass the buck. Uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is a key verse in this too. Like right from the beginning, right from that point, God already set in motion his plan of redemption. Right from that point. It's important. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Adam was changed at that point in time. You see what God says about Adam and Eve. Now it's pain. It's difficulty. It's struggle right away. And they were cast out of the garden. Um, man disobeyed God, and he lost the ability to be that perfect image. The nature of humanity was changed at that time. In Genesis, oh, we, we talked about that, but I'll just read it real quick. And it's just one and, one and two, I think. Uh, one through three. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So we see like that what happened there it kind of destroyed that image that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be this. We were created to be this to God. We were to, created to reflect 
Sorry, I'm distracted by the reflection. Um, we were created to be that perfect reflection of God. But what happened when Adam listened to his wife? No more. Right? That's what we are now. That's what we are. But God has made a way for us to work towards that image again. To become that perfect representation. Now we won't see that until we get there. Because it says when we're there, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. But that's His goal for us. So, okay, let's go through some Scripture here. So, And I want to kind of back up. A lot of people think that they look at Genesis, and unfortunately in a lot of people in, in uh, the church, I think look at Genesis and this story of creation as an allegory. as just a story. The people who wrote the Scripture, all through the Scripture, they didn't refer back to it as an allegory. They referred back to man being created in God's image all throughout. In 1 Corinthians 11.7, it says, for a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. In Genesis 9.6, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. In James 3.9, it says, and this is talking about the tongue, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So we are to be imagers of God. We're to be that reflection of who God is in this world. And it starts with our getting to know who we are. And the way we know who we are is to know who He is. We have a, an opportunity by being redeemed by Christ. So, if we're broken mirrors, we're, still, we're flawed, right? But we're still a mirror. We're just a flawed mirror. Just a flawed reflection. So, are we still valuable to God? Because we're created in His image. We were created. We're His special thing to represent Him. When we come to Christ, and it starts there. If you haven't come to Christ, you're not going to be able to be what you're supposed to be. You were created to be that image. And without that life of Christ in us, we'll never get to that place. So if you haven't received Christ, if you don't know anything about it, whatever, like you got to talk to somebody. you got to give your life to Him. That's the beginning of fixing the broken mirror. That's the beginning. That's where we start. And I think, I mean, most of the people I know here, are saved, which is awesome. So, um, <clears throat> so what's our goal, right? Our goal is to be that representative. In Romans 8.29, it says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren, many brothers. If we are His, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. That should be our daily walk. It should be like looking at Jesus. Okay, how do I want to be? How do, what do I want to look like in this world? I want to look like Jesus. right? That's our goal. That's where we want to be. 
2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We can reflect His glory. And this is what we're called to be. We're called to be representative figures in, um, that look like God. Look like Jesus on this earth. You know, that's what we are. 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus is the perfect image of God. That's who we have to look to. If this is, as Christians, that should be our goal. What does Jesus look like? That's what I want to look like. If we look at ourselves and we see that we are not where we where we're representing that image and we're not walking and, um, and being what we're supposed to be. The Lord reveals those things to us. You know, I know for, for me, like the Lord will, will speak to us. His Holy Spirit lives in us. And His goal is that we would be transformed more and more daily into His image so that we can be useful for Him. You know, so that's where we want to be. We want to reflect it perfectly. In Colossians 1.15, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It says in Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the exact imprint. The exact imprint. He has saved us. He has given us His Holy Spirit. And our daily goal should be, how do I reflect Christ in this world? We, we have been saved. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be imagers of God. Transformed, conformed, made new. We're new creations, right? In Christ Jesus. It's what we are. If we're not, if you see stuff in your life, if we see stuff in our lives that are not reflecting, that doesn't reflect who Jesus is, His character, then we need to, to take a step back and see how we can, we can deal with that stuff and bring it to the Lord. And allow, the, the, allow Him to fix that up. you know, and, uh, and just give ourselves to Him. So, I'm pretty much done. If you want to do a song. There's a lot more in the beginning, so but I'm not going to go back. But anyway, so um, before we get into that, I just want to I just want to to lift this up to the Lord, right? Um, Lord God, I just I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be um, part of your kingdom, to be your child, to be saved, to be given your Holy Spirit, so that that we can be effective um, for you. That we can get back to what we were created to be. And we can only get back to that through Christ. And I thank you so much, Lord God, for sending Jesus to be that example for us. To, as we get to know Him, that we can start to 
uh, become more and more of what you created us to be. And I pray, Lord God, that you would, you would help us to not get caught up in this other worldview that is in complete opposition to the truth that we're just animals and not, not, uh, not valuable to you, not valuable in this world. I pray that we can, we can see our, um, not on just the big scale, but on the individual scale, that we can look at others and see them as created in your image, Lord God, and see them as valuable. And Lord, I pray that that would be motivation for us to, to open our mouths, to come alongside people, to speak into their lives your truth, that we can meet needs, that we can, we can do all the work that we're called to do. Lord God, um, and that we would, we would just, just be better for you, Lord God. So I pray your blessing on the rest of this day. Thank you for great worship, and uh, thank you for the body here.